don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Crypto Economy Quick Read. Um, I've got one today. This is from blog.lightning.engineering, and it is uh, just the Lightning Labs uh, official blog. Um, it's where they released the uh, announcement for the mainnet beta uh, not too long ago, and they have written, uh, Brian Vu has written a blog post titled, Lightning User Experience, A Day in the Life of Carol. The post is kind of a, a story-centered uh, explanation um, or more, maybe more of an exploration of what the user experience will be like for Lightning in the hopefully not-too-distant future and kind of a brief overview of some of the things that they're building that are specifically done to make this experience possible. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Again, this is Lightning User Experience a day in the life of Carol. The goal of this post is to give the Bitcoin community and prospective Lightning users insight into what the end user experience of the Lightning network will be like once the initial infrastructure components are complete. Here, we're focusing on the story of Carol, a new Lightning user, and we'll also be touching on some of the projects that we at Lightning Labs are working on that will make this experience a reality. Over the next few weeks and months, we'll be following up with additional posts that will provide more details about these projects and topics, including routing, watchtowers, neutrino, mobile, backups, and more. Meet Carol. In today's post, Carol is the hero of our story. Carol was introduced to Bitcoin by her good friend and avid Bitcoiner, Alice, and until now has been a casual investor and holdler. In our story, Carol lives in the not-too-distant future when Lightning is growing beyond the technical community and starting to become ready for everyday users. Carol's looking to join the fun and experience Lightning for herself. Onboarding the first step for Carol is to search for Lightning in her favorite app store. There she finds the correct Lightning app for her phone. The initial setup process is familiar to anyone who's set up a Bitcoin wallet. First, the app will generate a 24-word backup seed, which Carol writes down and stores in a safe place. This seed allows Carol to recover her money in case she loses her phone or her phone stops working. Second, Carol sends some Bitcoin to her wallet using her favorite cryptocurrency exchange using the QR code displayed in her Lightning app. This initial funding uses a regular on-chain Bitcoin payment familiar to Carol and any Bitcoin user. Autopilot The rest of the onboarding process is automatic. While Carol waits for the initial deposit from her exchange to be confirmed, about an hour since it's a regular on-chain transaction, Carol's Lightning app is synchronizing the blockchain using the Light Client Neutrino protocol. 
Neutrino allows low-powered devices, such as smartphones, to use Bitcoin with a high degree of security and privacy. Carol's initial synchronization takes just a few minutes. When she opens her app in the future, the sync time will be unnoticeable. Once Carol's initial deposit has been confirmed, a system called Autopilot takes over and moves Carol's funds into the Lightning Network. This process takes up to an hour, scaled based on the amount of the deposit, but only needs to run the first time Carol sets up her Lightning app. Now Carol is ready to use Lightning. At the mall. Now that she's got Lightning set up, Carol decides it's time for a little shopping. Carol happens to love alpaca wool, and she's been eyeing some new alpaca socks at her local blooming blocks. She decides that this will be a good chance to try out Lightning. Using the Lightning integrated point of sale system from Rectangle TM, the Blooming Blocks associate generates a QR code for Carol's purchase. Carol opens her Lightning app and scans. Her app brings up the details of the transaction. She checks to make sure the amount is correct and also notes the transaction fee, less than one cent. Carol presses confirm, and within seconds, the Blooming Blocks associate sees the confirmation on her Rectangle and emails Carol her receipt. Just like that, Carol is on her way with her exceptionally comfortable new socks. Under the covers. As far as Carol can tell, her lightning purchase experience was fast and simple. But in the background, a few different technologies have made that transaction possible. Payment channels. The primary building block for lightning is the concept of payment channels, which allow for fast, low-cost transactions that leverage the security of an underlying blockchain. Bitcoin in the case of Carol and Blooming Blocks. Smart Contracts Within payment channels, Lightning uses a form of smart contract, which is a cryptographically secured promise to deliver funds. Lightning's primary contract is the hash time-locked contract, or HTLC, which is enforced by the Bitcoin blockchain. HTLCs allow for Lightning payments to be sent across multiple channels, a multi-hop payment. More information about payment channels and HTLCs can be found in this article. Routing nodes. As mentioned above, Carol connects to the Lightning Network through a set of routing nodes. By default, Autopilot will create channels with five nodes. A routing node is a computer intended to be online at all times and that facilitates the sending of payments for other users. Blooming Blocks is also connected to the network via its own set of routing nodes. Through a process that's analogous to finding connections between people in six degrees of separation, Carol's Lightning app automatically determines which nodes link her with Blooming Blocks, and Carol's transaction is sent across that series of links. The next post in this series will provide more information about routing nodes, channel balance, and the routing network. Watchtowers Carol's Lightning app uses a security system called a watchtower. Watchtowers provide protection in case something goes wrong with one of Carol's payment channels while she's disconnected from the internet for an extended period of time, multiple days. If this kind of network error happens, one of Carol's watchtowers will automatically handle the recovery process for Carol. More details about watchtowers will be included in an upcoming blog post as well. Splicing in the case that Carol would like to pay a merchant that accepts on-chain Bitcoin, but who isn't yet Lightning-enabled, she can use splicing, 
which allows for an on-chain payment out of a channel without requiring that the channel itself be closed. Splicing allows for a seamless transition between on-chain and off-chain Lightning transactions. A future post on splicing will be forthcoming. Atomic Multipath Payments, or AMP. AMP will also be the subject of an upcoming blog post. AMP allows large payments to be split into multiple small payments, each of which is sent via a different route through the network. The payment recipient combines all the payments together, rejecting or accepting them as if they were a single transaction. To the user, AMPs are handled automatically behind the scenes. Again, as an end user, Carol doesn't need to know about any of these concepts to use Lightning. Any more than an internet user needs to understand HTTP, TCP, IP, TLS, BGP, and all of the other technologies that make surfing the web possible. For the merchant. For Blooming Blocks, one of the benefits of Lightning integration is that there are no fees for receiving payments. For merchants who are used to paying 2-3% to of the value of credit card transactions, this can be a significant savings. In addition, Lightning payments are irrevocable, so merchants don't have to worry about administrative costs or lost merchandise costs associated with chargebacks and managing credit card fraud. Finally, with Lightning, merchants have access to all funds within seconds and don't have to wait hours or days for payouts to be processed, as with most credit card processors. For these reasons, we hope some merchants will prefer Lightning payments to credit card payments. Eventually, some might offer discounts or loyalty rewards for customers who use Lightning. Back to Carol. Carol's now back home from her shopping trip, and she's ready for some rest and relaxation. As an avid Legend of WoWcraft player, she finds out that for her next quest, some of her guild members needs some devout shoulders. From the Legend of WoWcraft virtual goods store, she clicks Pay with Lightning. Unbeknownst to Carol, this button is actually a Lightning payment request link, which begins with Lightning colon. This automatically pops up the confirmation page in Carol's Lightning app with the details of her payment. Again, the fees are negligible. Carol clicks Confirm. Legend of WoWcraft receives her payment, and within seconds, she and her guild are ready for battle. Refilling Lightning Funds Later, after a long night of fighting mobs and listening to the latest Zhao Tonged album on repeat, which she bought on Lightunes, Carol takes a look at her Lightning app and notices that her balance is running a little low. Knowing that her favorite exchange, Genesis Transaction, has recently added Lightning support, Carol decides to give it a try. Carol presses the Add Funds button in her Lightning app, enters the amount of BTC that she'd like to move, selects Genesis Transaction, and enters her account ID. This sends a Lightning payment request to Genesis Transaction, which automatically pops up on the confirmation page from Carol's Genesis Transaction app. Carol confirms the transaction, and instantly, the funds are deducted from her Bitcoin balance at Genesis Transaction and added to her Lightning app. Unlike the normal Bitcoin transfers that Carol was used to, there was no need to wait for the transaction to confirm on the blockchain, and fees were ultra-low. This funds replenishment process was similar to Carol's purchase process, but in reverse, with payment channels, smart contracts, routing nodes, watchtowers, etc., Carol doesn't need to know about all those mechanics. 
She just knows that she's ready for her next trip to the store and her next online purchase. Just as easily, Carol could have refilled her lightning funds with salary from an employer, payment for an item she auctioned off online, or a friend splitting a restaurant bill with her. This process of paying with lightning and replenishing funds with lightning can last for months or years without the need for expensive and slow on-chain Bitcoin transactions. Once the initial lightning setup is complete, on-chain transactions should be only rarely used to recover from network errors or to expand a user's capacity for lightning funds. At the end of the day. For the early adopters of today, lightning is still a complex technology. L&D 0.4.1 beta users must understand how the protocol and payment channels work, and this involves a knowledge from fields like cryptography, security, game theory, economics, and more. This is in addition to Bitcoin itself, which is already a complex topic. However, as Lightning matures, we'll be working to improve the Lightning user experience to become more simple, intuitive, and familiar. Ideally, users like Carol will manage balances, payments, and deposits without having to understand the underlying technology, and the experience will be cheaper and more convenient than existing payment technologies. Checks, credit cards, physical cash, etc. The most important piece of the puzzle, the protocol implementation itself, LND, is now in beta on Bitcoin and Litecoin mainnet. Desktop and mobile apps, routing node software, watchtowers, and other infrastructure are on the way as well. As mentioned, we'll be following up this post with more specifics about the various components that will make up the Lightning Network. Stay tuned. So I thought that was a cool little story just about, you know, what it will be like to use a Lightning app in the future. Um, uh, there are quite a number of footnotes, and some of them have some kind of important information. And I started to try to, like, interject them in the middle of the article, but it was really disjointed because they're kind of quick uh, behind each other. So I'm just going to go ahead and actually just read through these footnotes. Um, uh, first one is uh, regards to the Lightning app for desktop that will be coming soon. So we're currently working toward releasing a new version of our Lightning app for desktop that will be compatible with LND 0.4.1 beta. Our previous alpha version of the app has now been deprecated. We'll be following the desktop app release with mobile versions as well. So uh, uh, as I mentioned that they would be using the LND mobile app, there is not one out yet, but the next version of the desktop release um, will be followed with a mobile version. Okay, so uh, two and three are about the seed backup and it's referred to as AEZ. That's A-E-Z-E-E-D. Uh, so AEZ, LND uses a seed format called AEZ which has additional features specifically developed for backup and retrieval of lightning channels. Another post in this series will provide more detail about how backup and recovery work in lightning. Uh, that's something I definitely am going to uh, consume as soon as it is released um, because the backup and recovery process I think is absolutely critical and it's one of the most exciting things in my mind about L2 which I am about halfway through that paper now, and I've been taking notes pretty thoroughly. So hopefully I'll have my head fully wrapped around that, and I can write maybe an explanatory article, or if somebody else does, I'll just read that one. 
um, if somebody beats me to it. But um, uh, so uh, footnote three, for lightning channel recovery, the AEZ is combined with static backups that are made when new channels are created, as well as dynamic backups that are updated as transactions are processed. Initially, at least, we'll be implementing backups as watchtower features. Additional detail will be coming as well. Uh, so that's interesting that uh, uh, backups will be a specific part of the watchtower feature. I mean, obviously, that's that's kind of the point of it. But uh, uh, it'll be really interesting to read about the AEZ spec and kind of what they're doing with that. Uh, footnote 4 is just if you're looking for information about Neutrino and the standard they have for that, you can look that for that in BIP 157, BIP 158, and then, of course, the Neutrino GitHub uh, repo. Uh, footnote 5, the autopilot in Carol's Lightning app has connected with a series of Lightning routing nodes specifically selected for uptime and payment reliability. So that's important, is the autopilot is going to specifically hunt out for the reliable nodes that have the best uptime. Uh, and it has uh, opened Lightning payment channels with those nodes. By default, five channels will be opened. So if one routing node goes offline, offline and or funds need to be recovered via on-chain transaction, 80% of funds will still be available. These are details that Carol does not need to be concerned with. As far as she knows, her money is now instantly accessible with Lightning, and she can send money to any Lightning-enabled person or business. So that will be interesting. I'm actually kind of curious about how the uptime and payment reliability will be measured, or if there'll be some sort of like a like a mild like reputation system or it will literally just be uh, data collected by the app um, or if it's broadcast. I don't know. That, that'll be kind of interesting to see how all of that information is dispersed and propagated uh, and obviously stored and or checked at a later date. Um, but re uh, regardless, um, Autopilot will be taking that into account um, to check for um, reliable uptimes and nodes. All right, so footnote six. Currently, many phones aren't NFC enabled, so QR codes are commonly used for Bitcoin purchases. However, we expect the NFC will eventually make this workflow even simpler. That's just in reference to the fact that they talked about using the QR codes, um, but that likely, um, particularly as phones are NFC enabled, um, in fact, there was actually an article on Coindesk not like two weeks ago about a uh, standard for NFC payments or lightning payments over in using NFC. Um, so no doubt that will probably become the standard pretty quickly. But right now, obviously, everybody is in the Bitcoin space, at least, is used to QR codes. All right, number seven, fees in lightning are much, much lower than they are with a typical on-chain Bitcoin transaction. While an on-chain transaction has tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers involved in the transmission, validation, and storage, a lightning transaction only has a few computers involved. Because the resource costs of lightning of processing a lightning transaction are very low, fees should tend to be correspondingly low, much less than one cent according to our calculations. And then footnote eight um, is re uh, referring to the uh, lightning payment request um, uh, that will be enabled as a like an official link, so that you can just click on it and it will open up your lightning app. Uh, but uh, as the footnote says, currently this process requires copying and pasting a Lightning payment request. But as exchanges build support for Lightning, this will be automated 
as it is in the example. Um, so uh, a couple of good points and also a couple of uh, useful links in those footnotes as well. So if you want to explore that stuff, I would definitely go there and check that out and keep a close eye. I may or may not be able to get to all of these um, uh, detailing out some of the more specifics of kind of neutrino and stuff like that. Uh, it's particularly with this uh, podcast, there's no telling how much stuff there's going to be going on. But again, this was on blog.lightning.engineering, and that is the Lightning Labs uh, official blog. Uh, so certainly check them out. They've got, I mean, I thought this was a really easy to understand article and uh, a fun little uh, exploration of the user experience of Lightning. Uh, with that, though, that was our article titled The Lightning User Experience, A Day in the Life of Carol, and it was written by Brian Vu. But that should close today's Crypto Economy Quick Read. I'm not sure what we have tomorrow. I've got like three or four different ones lined up that I want to explore. But uh, until then, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Medium at The Crypto Economy. Uh, to stay up to date and catch my next episode as soon as I release it. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share it with all of your friends who know and love Bitcoin just like we do. Until then, this is the Crypto Economy Podcast, and I will catch you guys next time. Take it easy, everybody. Mm-hmm.